0: This is Refigure with Chris and Reefa.
1: A weekly dive into our favourite bits of culture, tech
0: and diversity.
1: Hello and welcome to Refigure, the podcast about art, culture, tech and diversity. I'm Reefer.
0: You nearly said you were Chris. <laughs> I'm Reefer And I'm Christopher, how's it going?
1: Alright, what are we talking about this week?
0: On this week's podcast our two main topics are both TV things uh, We're going to talk about Queer Eye, second season of the rebooted series on Netflix And then wonderful crazy FX show Pose came to the BBC iPlayer And so we binged that So shall we start with Queer as? queer what's it called queer eye oh no you want to start with pose. Um, okay
1: let me talk about pose
0: so fx tv series pose is a drama set in new york in the 80s among the trans and queer scene it's centered around competitive balls and people living on the fringes of society forced out to the fringes of society by the kind of prejudice of often being just kicked out brutally by their families the minute they try and come out tell me a little bit about pose reefer and what you what you thought of it
1: at the moment in the west we don't have that many role models for the queer trans intersectional people of color so to know that you've come from a history, not me particularly, but the community, to know even in Brighton, there is a cutie pop community of young people who absolutely love this program and they don't have spaces that they can always hang out. There are a few spaces and they get together and be together. And knowing this history, but seeing it come alive must be so brilliant for anybody in the whole country. It must be enjoying seeing their stories being told but it's historical and these are based on real people that all the actors are trans actors there's also really heartbreaking scene hospital scenes of people suffering with AIDS people ha- having to keep secrets about um, having HIV and the idea of community being Um, a, a replacement for these people who were living on the streets and that's rent boys and people who dance for money in boxes, in sex... Rooms, you know, it's just really sordid, some of it. But it's also really super glamorous as well because they create their own spaces of these club nights where they go and they dance, they create their own costumes. And, of course, that later turned into some of the best clubs in the whole of New York where people would kill to go into these parties that are being run by these, uh, what they would consider drag queens. But they're actually, they did, didn't even define themselves. They would say, people like us. What they're doing in the balls is competing about passing <laughs> in New date. You know, being able to pass in costumes that look, that look the parts if they were to stroll into Manhattan. And a lot of it is to do with race as well. So one of the key characters, her power comes from the fact that she can walk into any space as a tall, beautiful black woman and passes and no one questions her in any spaces there's so many um, interesting bits if you're just interested in that world or if you're just interested in that history of New York of people living on the fringes or if you are someone who would be interested in understanding a little bit more about trans and gay people then you should maybe want to have a watch of it it's fanboying it's fun it's heartbreaking and it's really beautiful as well
0: Tons of it, of course, feels totally relevant. Basically, this community is the very definition of the underrepresented voice, both in the story and in real life. And they say that throughout, and they show that beautifully throughout. One of the really interesting things that I hadn't even considered before watching it is the rejection of the mainstream white gay men community of gay men who are just as fierce in their, or almost as fierce, in their rejection of these people who aren't the same as them. At one point, Blanca Evangelista, who is our renegade house mother, who's left one of the other houses to form her own house, and is now competing against the big house to try and win prizes at the Bulls. And also, she really wants to be a caring, good house mother, And she goes off to this gay bar, basically for white guys, and she just repeatedly gets kicked out of this bar, because... They don't accept her either, and the fact that they include those scenes in the show is really pointed. And then they include quite a lot of different angles of looking at the absolute incredible tragedy of what HIV did to the gay communities all over the world. They really cover that well. So we both found that acting, some of the acting is a little bit on the nose or a little bit hammy, and then some of the writing is quite soapy and schlocky and on a surface level it feels a little bit like sentimental. But then because there's also these incredibly hardcore real issues that they're dealing with, again, there's a whole ton of things we haven't seen on screen before ever that we're just learning about, that buys it so much cred for me that it's really hard to be critical of the acting. or it's really mm-hmm. hard, It is rough around the edges. Some of it's got a feeling of like we're putting on a show. It almost feels like a, a drama production. But that doesn't matter, does it?
1: So maybe some of that was deliberate as well, because there's an element where it reminds you of dramas from the 80s, like Cagney Lacey and Fame, especially because there's a whole chunk of where uh, there's a a boy from the hood wants to get into dancing, and there's a whole a whole storyline around him. Working as a dancer and getting his scholarship and all of that stuff really reminds me of heartwarming tales from from fame, so maybe there's a part of it is a bit like that that it's low budget it's trying to show you New York in the eighties.
0: if you're talking raggedy around the edges, there's also a smallness to it where they don't go and visit the other subcultures in New York at the same time, so it's set in nineteen eighty seven and as you say, some of those kind of house parties did grow to become some of the big clubs in new york but in 1987 studio 54 is already it's there it's already a big thing early hip-hop's happening really early hip-hop started to happen so there is a whole swath of stuff missing but i i wonder if that's just pure budget stuff that's like okay they can't really go off and explore other bits that would have been intermingled even the last remnants of things like the cbgb scene they wouldn't have existed well I mean, maybe they would have, and maybe that's my assumption, is over-optimistic. But I don't think that those people were that isolated from other subcultures that were also outsider subcultures. I may be wrong, and I don't know enough about it, and this is the only thing I've seen that portrays them at all. So, they, they get again, they get a lot of leeway for that.
1: But I think that the storyline with... Um, is it Brad?
0: He <laughs> is a Brad, whether his name's Brad.
1: Brad, the yuppie. Hold on, let's find his name who lives in the suburbs and he's working for Trump in Trump Towers. You know, that sort of thing. You're right. You're Stan right. Bowes. Yeah, you're right. I think there, was pretty there's, close. there's a bit of... So the character of Stan Bowes, who is a working class background person who's managed to get himself a job in Trump Towers, that's the kind of crossover that they want to explore, and the fact that he's got a wife and kids, but he's he's gone to pick up one of the girls who work the pier. Now, maybe that's that you're right, it is small, and um, even when they're walking around the streets, you're not quite sure which Suburb it is, but there's the pier, and that's where it's safe for, for them to be. And they don't venture out of that because they all dress, they're really committed to their looks, so they don't venture out. Like, there's one time one of the small time uh, drug dealers is scared to go to what he calls the hood to do any dealing because he doesn't want to get involved with that, he only sticks to the parks and the pier, which he knows and they're safe anywhere in these other spaces they feel unsafe and they don't venture into that world so it kind of makes sense to me
0: it does make sense i'd just love to know if it was true yeah
1: they really are on the edges until much later i should imagine when it starts to get you know
0: yeah but people. all of this is imagined from it's, watching the program that's and it's a drama as and it's well. a drama yeah and it's a really affecting drama it's got some really funny sequences but it is really powerful when it needs to be powerful
1: yeah there's some really moving parts uh, moving parts it's got some moving
0: parts (laughs) (laughs) it really
1: does (laughs) brings me nicely onto the new season of Queer Eye a holistic program where they go to people's houses and support them through all aspects of their life and do big change for them the episode that i wanted to talk about was the one about the black lesbian who come who came out to her family and was promptly thrown out when she was 16 and hadn't seen her she, she it was her adoptive parents that chucked her out and she was really beautiful and they showed her different ways to dress but they also Helped her with her confidence and got her excited about learning about her own genealogy, which I thought was stroke of genius. Clearly there's some psychological person in the team that actually helps people to break through some of their problems. And that was beautiful. It was really nice. And she'd created this new family for herself. But they also um, got in touch with her sister, her real sister, who they had reached out to her but for for various reasons the girl hadn't wanted to get in touch with her sister and it was really heartwarming they sort of just sprung it on her and immediately they had this connection and I know it's tv so it might have all been planned and they all knew each you know like there was like a psychologist in the background I have no idea right but for me it was so heartening to see these young women get together and it was like a genuine breakthrough for this woman in her life, and she was like 21.
0: Well, I'm sure it's partly uh, people behind the scenes and a bit of a conceit, but I still feel like Caramo, who does the... They call him culture. He's the hes the representative for culture, but really he's hes the psych guy, isn't he? He's the one who sits them down and makes them face home truths about themselves. The one
1: you haven't watched yet, there was a guy who wanted to get give him confidence... They made him climb up a wall.
0: Oh, excellent. <laughs> and they didn't they find made him out go
1: and then it was only afterwards that they found out that he um had a fear of heights. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but did he do it? He did it. Oh that's good. I think Caramo, even though there is obviously a team behind him, I do think he comes across as a really authentic uh I mean, you know, some of it's self help waffle, but some of it's genuine really thought through psychology pinpointing some of these people's specific needs which is really good
1: they often do this thing where they find a connection between the experiences of the uh, the the queer eye team and the participants so normally you know they'll talk about Karamo being a black man and and a black gay man and how that is for him and how the kinds of things that he's interested in is not stereotypical and um rejection from community and all of that but one of the episodes i watched recently was um jonathan was opening up because it was really sad about this um people who died recently in his life and we never hear from him he's normally a bit of a clown character and he's like always really silly but it was because the protagonist they call them heroes the person they were helping had lost his wife to cancer and he was trying to move on but he was having to bring up these two young kids as well so that was really sweet and
0: and so jonathan did some of the sort of psych heavy lifting then N- no or do you mean did we that just they found just... out a bit more about jonathan's yes. life
1: yeah we did
0: i think people are really deep into this show jonathan's one of the better known ones because he's got a really successful he's one of the most vocal on social media and he's got this big he's got podcasts podcast and his own he's got a whole other stuff that goes on in his world that is really popular
1: but he's also really like I love the thing about male grooming or just grooming in general and just looking after your skin and your hair being about self-care and often we think of that as being real vain or vanity you know to look after yourself and he said something really poignant like when you wash your hair make sure you're really present when you're doing that really feel your fingers on your scalp because it brings you back into your body and I was like deep.
0: So queer representation on TV is coming in leaps and bounds both in like quite edgy shows like Pose and Queer Eye is just a massive mainstream smash we haven't watched it at all but RuPaul's Drag Race is also this huge like RuPaul's Drag Race started out being this underground show that was almost a a spoof of reality shows and now it's like this giant bear moth it's one of the biggest shows in the world
1: it's a sort of disconnect okay on one level we can watch these things and be really heartened by them and think okay like I'm learning something about history I'm learning something about queer culture I'm learning something about empathy with people who are coming out to their families but at the same time don't get complacent because people watch this stuff because they think it's cool you know but they can't really relate to it and there's a lot of transphobia out there
0: so in and a way that's partly why I Pose the existence of Pose right now is such a good thing.
1: Yeah.
0: If someone's had 90% of the pie all their life and you want to only give them 75% of the pie they're going to moan about it because what they're going to notice is the 15% of the pie that they've lost not the fact that they've still got most yeah, of the pie yeah that's
1: what i'm explaining there are people who when i said to them you know my clients who i want to serve the people that i want to come to be mentored are women lgbt people of color or any intersection of that you know that's my that's my audience and um for my mentoring reefer.co.uk Um, And this lovely white man I've known for a long time just said, well, I, I don't fall into any of those categories. So I would hope that you would help me if I needed help. And then I thought that he was genuinely asking me for help, but he wasn't. He wasn't asking me for help at all, he just wanted to be in the room and that's what happens with all these subcultures is that when they start becoming cool people want to get involved but some people have been working on the edges for a long time and then when they start getting noticed, start getting the funding, start getting a voice, that's when people want to join in and that's the same for any, any group really but I just find it interesting but I'm also wary of, of people who are eager to sort of go oh yes but what about everybody else and that happens with the women's groups as well the women in tech groups the women every women's group that I will get people say well I don't want to be the only man and I might have said this on a previous podcast I don't want to be the only man why are men excluded why can't men come and then when I say do you want to come you won't be the only man they don't want to come they just want to be invited to the party and that's the point isn't it and there's the same kind of conversations are happen in this impose as well where uh this well i won't spoil it for you but you know the world's crossover in this romance there is a voyeurism and a tourism that happens you know with all the white that men is brilliantly
0: put and that is exactly what's going on so since I stopped doing music and I now work on a client thing or project-based, either project-based or client-based work, where I'm effectively selling my services as a provider, I notice my own instinct as a articulate, white, privileged bloke, and being a bit older as well, is to apply for anything I think I want to do, almost regardless, not, not quite, but almost regardless of whether I could do it, because... I have a deep-seated sense in me of entitlement that I think I can talk my way into that. Oh, I don't have those two skills, I've got that skill there, but if I can just get in the room and be interviewed, they'll see how incredibly smart I am that I can learn X, Y and Z and do it better than anyone else. And so I have to then really work at myself to go, hold on, don't tender for that project or don't try and get that client. Either you're overreaching or you're reaching into someone else's world where someone else would you don't even need like I don't even need half of these things I'm doing perfectly well Why am I like still? Why is my? Really deep set and I'm not particularly like I'm not privately educated and I'm not I've never been particularly wealthy And I've never you know, you know, I've been driven by music not by money my whole life, you know more than anyone so Why is that instinct so powerful?
1: A really interesting thing happened to me where I was working at this particular company and I was in the middle of the project and right towards the end somebody tried to take the project off away from me thinking that I was doing it wrong in some way. My instinct as the freelancer, as the smallest person, I have no idea, all the different things that I have hang-ups about and it made me feel like oh, they must be right because they're talking louder than me and they've got more experience in this area than me, even though they had no knowledge of this project whatsoever and they felt that they could just uh, swoop in and say, oh, we th- this, is, this is wrong, we've got the right way to do it, this other person's going to oversee this other person who's going to do this bit of the work and the only other more senior person in the room, not senior by experience or whatever, but just by job title, decided to back them up. I just sort of got um, pushed to one side and it felt like, oh, I've been here before. My my reaction was, right, fuck it, go on then, you do it and withdraw. But then my overwhelming, um, like I went against what I would normally do, uh, whatever that feeling is, where I just pushed through. And the next day after stewing about it, I went to my actual person who'd hired me, my actual boss and said, We could do it this way or this way what do you think and decided i'm not going to be the one that takes the responsibility because maybe i'm wrong you know there is that possibility but i knew i was right and he backed me up and fuck me i don't know how many times any white man has backed me up apart from yourself and i think that a lot of the projects and a lot of things that i've done in in my career you've helped me or give me the help that I needed in order to push myself forward to do a radio show to do a podcast to do things that I may not not necessarily have that confidence and that's what you've had your entire life there's comic strips that illustrate you know like there's that's what's ingrained in in you that I've had to learn pretty late on in my career that actually there are people to people to back me up and then when I actually did the job finished it completed it Everyone was really happy, but I never got an apology from anyone trying to take it. In fact, they tried, to, they tried to publicly say again, oh, are you doing the right thing? Is this right? And the other person had to say, yes, she, it's Rifa's decision. She's in charge. And I can't tell you how fundamental that is. I mean, people might just think, oh, that's ridiculous. But that's part of like having a mentor having a group of loyal people around you who continually bolster you up that's the whole point bringing us back to the tv program of having people around you are family and can bolster you when you don't have that but it takes a long time
0: and there's something in how naturally the five guys in Queer Eye form that family like a substitute family unit in the show that works is part of queer history isn't it it's a chosen family and One of the most enjoyable, admirable nubs of the programme is this chemistry between these five very different guys with a common purpose, which is aspirational and wholesome in a very... it's a very mainstream, wholesome show. And in the weirdest way, so is Pose, driven by love.
1: Yeah, because what else is there? What are you reading for? What are you reading for? What, are you,
0: reading
1: <laughs> what are you reading for? What are you reading for? Chris, what are you reading
0: for? Well, I'm still ploughing my way through Gary Steingart's Lake Success, which I talked about last week, just over halfway through. I'm really enjoying it. But I'm just gonna quickly talk about a book I haven't started yet, which is David Grant's nonfiction book from last year, The White Darkness. In February eighteen, he wrote a long researched article for The New Yorker about Henry Worsley, who uh, is an English ex-military explorer, really renowned explorer, who in 2015, 100 years after Shackleton had attempted to cross the Antarctic, Henry Worsley, his goal was to walk right across the Antarctic solo on his own. and <laughs>
1: Solo on his own. Solo,
0: <laughs> and carry all his supplies. So he's literally not got any food caches and he's not going to talk to anyone else and he's going to try and cross the Antarctic. Anyway it's a fantastic article, it was an amazing article I may have even talked about it very early in the podcast in the first season but I think I didn't anyway. And then David Gran turned it into a book and it's called The White Darkness by David Gran so I'm recommending that. The other thing I'm kind of recommending is I spent almost a pound on an iPhone game called Plague Inc. Lots of people have been playing it. It's from Endemic Creations and in the game you are in control of a bacteria and you have to gradually evolve your bacteria in order to try and kill everyone in the world and you start off your bacteria in a specific country and you gradually evolve it and after a while people get infected with it, more and more people get infected and you basically have to try and infect everybody and kill everybody before the world invents a cure. I've been really enjoying it. It's vicious and kind of got some satire in there because it's set in the near future. Well, (laughs) killing the whole world. Anyway, it's a really good game. So that's Plague Inc. And Rifa, what are you reading?
1: So, I got through the post Oprah Winfrey's new book, The Path Made Clear Discovering Your Life's Direction and Purpose. Purpose and purpose. <laughs> um, it's all right. It is a hardback and it's one of those books that would probably land in your loo for quick read. It's got bits and bobs from her, short little articles, the sort of like blog post length articles from her. But mostly it is filled with all the people that she has interviewed on her podcast, giving well basically they're transcripts of um, conversations that she's had it's, very and it's nice. full of little inspirational nuggets and things like oprah says funny thing about a mountain it always looks easier to climb when you're at the foot of it there's a bit too many stock images of cherry blossom in it for my liking but you know it's a nice little book i'm glad i got it i shall continue reading
0: that's excellent And we're done. That was really fun arguing about things. Next week, the podcast will come from somewhere else in Europe, other than here, because we have booked a trip, uh, assuming that Brexit would have happened, but thank fuck, Brexit hasn't happened yet. But we're still going to go and uh, be somewhere else. And... uh, uh, so look out for that next week. We will beach have a
1: ex- beach episode.
0: We will have explored a beach somewhere and uh, probably probably some other things. And apart from that, please do all the usual things. like and subscribe and leave a nice review. It's really useful if you say nice things about us or give us a review on whatever you're listening to this on. My
1: target is for 800 likes.
0: 800 likes. so please give us 800 likes if you've got 800 to give. that'd be great. Thanks. Thank you very much for listening.
1: You can find us at Instagram, Refigure UK, and you can find us on Facebook, Refigure Pod. Yes. Bye for now. Talk to you next week.